the Bible is a big book. It is composed of 66 books written by 40 authors in three languages over 1,500 years. The Bible has 100 and, or 1,189 chapters. It has 31,173 verses, and it has over 800 words. And we know that every book, every chapter, every verse, every word comes to us from God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 2 Peter 1.21 says that men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. When you and I open up this book and we read it, we study it, we meditate upon it, we are looking at the very Word of God. But how do you understand the Bible? How do you read it? And do you just see it as separate parts, this book and then this book, and not much connection between them? Well, what I want to do this morning is I want us to look at how all of the Bible fits together. And if you understand this, it'll transform the way that you read and study and understand God's Word. So I want you to buckle your seatbelts because we're going to look at the whole Bible in one message. Now, I don't ever preach with notes, but I am today because this is huge. We're going to look at the Bible in six parts. Part one, God creates everything. The whole world is filled with his glory. In the beginning, God, that's Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created everything that there is. He created man in his image. He created everything in six days and he rested on the seventh day. That's Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, the focus is upon Adam and Eve. God creates Adam out of the dust of the earth and breathes into his nostril the breath of life. He creates the woman from the rib of the man, one who would complement and complete him. He creates marriage. He gives Adam and Eve dominion over the creation. He walks in fellowship with them. And he gives them the abundance of the Garden of Eden to enjoy with one prohibition. Part two of the Bible. Man rebels against God. The day of death comes. Satan, the serpent, appears to Eve and deceives her. She eats of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and gives it to Adam, and he eats. Eve eats because she was deceived, but Adam 
8, knowing that what he did was against the command of God, and so he is held responsible. And so through one man, sin has entered into the world. This was a decisive moment, a great turning point. Nothing will ever be the same again. The moment Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. They died in their relationship to God, and the process of physical death was started. They are suddenly ashamed. They make coverings for their nakedness, and innocence is lost forever. When confronted by God, Adam makes excuses. Judgment comes swiftly. The curses of sin are severe, and yet in judgment, God makes a promise. He declares the gospel and says that the seed of a woman will crush the head of the serpent. Now they are on their own. The world becomes a very unfriendly place. Cain kills Abel. Large cities form. Death is everywhere. And things go from bad to worse. You come to Genesis 6 and God has to intervene because of the sinfulness of man. The earth has grown corrupt and full of evil. And so God calls uh, Noah to build an ark. And when the flood comes, that covers the whole world. Only eight people are saved. And thus we learn both judgment and grace. Now the line narrows to Noah and his three sons. His three sons spread out and they multiply. And generations come and generations go. But, but the bent of sin in the heart of man is deep. And they come to the place that in their prideful arrogance, they try to build at Babel a tower, get the, work, get the heaven on their own. And God in judgment sends the confusion of language. And people are dispersed all over the world. The Bible, part three. God initiates redemption. The promise of the Messiah. That is Genesis 12 all the way through the book of Malachi, the rest of the Old Testament. Something hugely important happens in in Genesis 12, God calls Abraham from Ur. God calls, Abraham responds and becomes the outstanding example of faith in the Bible. And God makes a covenant with Abraham that he would give him a land make of him a nation, and through his seed, his descendant, the Messiah would come. Abraham has a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son, Jacob. 
Jacob has many sons. Notable among them is Joseph. He ends up in Pharaoh's house as the, the one who will bring deliverance and salvation for the lineage of the Messiah. And so his family follows him to Egypt. There are 70 that come, and God blesses them, and they multiply until a Pharaoh arises that does not know Joseph. And for 400 years, the people of God suffer in harsh bondage in Egypt. And then God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no, and so God sends the ten plagues, and the last being the death angel that will kill the firstborn, but he provides salvation for his people through the death of a lamb. Moses leads the children out of Egypt across the Red Sea into the desert to the Mount of Sinai where God gives the law, the Ten Commandments, has Moses build the tabernacle, the presence of God is with men, takes them to the promised land, but an unbelieving generation that would not trust God has to die out in 40 years of wandering. And then God raises up a new leader, Joshua, and he leads the children of Israel into the promised land. And he divides the nation uh, into, uh, among the 12 tribes. And then comes the wild time of the judges where every man did what was right in his own eyes. God was to be the king over Israel. And he led Israel by prophets and priests and by judgment. But the people clamored for an earthly king. So he gave them Saul, who started off good, but ended badly. Then David arises. He kills Goliath, and the people sing praises of him. He is made king, and God makes a covenant with David that there would be a coming son of David that would establish an everlasting kingdom. But then David's reign is tarnished by his affair with Bathsheba. Then comes his son, King Solomon, who asked God for wisdom and built the magnificent temple. After the reign of, of Solomon, the nation of Israel is divided into two kingdoms. There is the northern kingdom of Israel with a capital in Damascus and the southern kingdom, Judah, with a capital in, in Jerusalem. The southern kingdom or the northern kingdom has a string of 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 new of uh, of, of of bad kings, 
And so God sends prophets to bring God's message of warning and yet of hope. Isaiah speaks of a suffering servant. Jeremiah weeps for his people. The people, the prophets call the people to repent and live righteously and point to the coming Messiah. But the people of the north sin greatly in departing from the Lord. God sends judgment. And they are captured and carried away and ten tribes are lost forever. Judah has some good kings, but it also has some bad kings. And during the bad kings, the people depart greatly from the Lord. And so he brings judgment, and they are taken captive in Babylon. It is a, a, a humiliating time for Israel but it is meant by God to turn their hearts back to him. And at the end of the 70 years, they return, first of all, under Zerubbabel, who rebuild the temple, and then under Nehemiah to rebuild the walls of the city. And the prophets continue to declare, Thus saith the Lord. And, and the priests offered sacrifices day after day, year after year, and blood ran like a river from the altar pointing to the perfect sacrifice that would come. The Bible ends with the prophecy of Malachi. And so the Old Testament closes with a sense of longing and expectation. Promises have been made. Prophecies, had prophets had spoken. The people were waiting. What would God do? <laughs> the Bible, part four, God accomplishes redemption. Jesus paid it all. In the most unlikely way, in the most unlikely place, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born by the Virgin Mary, but he's not just a baby, but the seed of the woman and the son of David. He is Emmanuel, God with us. The angel said to Joseph, You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Angels announce him. Shepherds adore him. Magi bring gifts to him. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was baptized by John, tempted by the devil, misunderstood by the religious leaders, feared by some, hated by others, but the common people heard him gladly. He was full of grace and truth. He was the fullness of the Godhead come bodily. 
He went around doing good. He caused the blind to see and the lame to walk. He cast out demons and, and, and healed the sick and raised the dead. And he invited the weary to come unto him and find rest. He teaches God's kingdom. He embodies God's love and he fulfills God's promises. Repeatedly, he tells the twelve that he will be betrayed into the hands of sinful men who will beat and will kill him. And then he tells them on the third day that he will rise again. But they did not understand. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed in agony. Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. The disciples desert him. Caiaphas accuses him. Herod mocks him. The soldiers beat him. And Pilate condemns him to death. He is crucified between two thieves. He cried out, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Then it is finished. And then, Father, into thy, thy hands I commend my spirit. And he breathed his last. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. One day he was dead. Two days he was dead. But on the third day, the women came out to anoint his body. And they found the stone rolled away and walked into an empty tomb and heard the angel say, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He they go everywhere. They run and they tell all of the disciples that he is alive. And, and, and for 40 days, Jesus appears to the disciples many times. His message is, God is glorified. Redemption is accomplished. Go tell everyone. And then he ascends back to heaven. The Bible Part 4, the church is born, redemption is proclaimed. The disciples waited and prayed, and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came with great power, with the sound of rushing wind, and the disciples spoke in foreign languages that they had never learned. Peter preaches, and 3,000 are saved in one day. The church is born in Jerusalem and, and, and grows amid much opposition. The message spreads to Judea and Samaria. Then it moves across the Roman Empire to the uttermost parts uh, as Peter and Paul and other disciples preach the good news. The church faces opposition and false prophets so God speaks to the church. Paul writes, Peter writes, John writes, James writes, 
And so the word of God spread, and the disciples multiplied, and the church grew. The first Christians proclaimed the message, Jesus is Lord. They go everywhere telling everyone about God's saving love and power in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Bible, part six. God completes redemption. The king is coming. The Bible ends with the book of the Revelation and reveals the final act of history, the return of Jesus to this world. It begins this way. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must take place. And the big message of the revelation is that Jesus is coming again. And when he comes the second time, he isn't coming as the Savior, but he will be coming as the judge and the king. He came the first time as the Lamb of God, but he'll come the second time as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. When Christ finally appears the second time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Sadly for many, it'll be a late confession. No wonder the Bible ends saying, Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. And that's the Bible. But we can't stop there. Because to understand the Bible, you've got to understand the main character of the Bible. For Jesus is on every page of the Bible. Can I just give it to you? In Genesis, he's the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the scapegoat. In Deuteronomy, he is the brazen, in Numbers, he's the brazen serpent lifted up in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy, he is our atonement. In Joshua, he is the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he is the perfect judge. In Ruth, he is the kinsman redeemer. In 1 Samuel, he's the trusted prophet. In 2 Samuel, he is the true son of David. In 1 Kings, he is the promise keeper. In 2 Kings, he is the Lord over human history. In 1 Chronicles, he is our reigning king. In 2 Chronicles, he is our deliverer. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is our strength. In Esther, he's the intercessor who saves. In Job, he is my redeemer who lives. In Psalms, he is the Lord, my shepherd. In Proverbs, he is 
my, our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our true satisfaction. In the Song of Solomon, he is the beautiful bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah, he's the righteous branch. In Lamentation, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the son of man. In Daniel, he's the fourth one in the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband. In Joel, he's the one who restores. In Amos, he is the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is the mighty judge. In Jonah, he's the foreign missionary. In Micah, he's our peace. In Nahum, he's the avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the Lord in his holy temple. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the fountain of cleansing, or he is the Lord of hosts. In Zechariah, he is the fountain of cleansing. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. In Matthew, he is the promised Messiah. In, in Mark, he is the faithful servant. In Luke, he is the friend of sinners. In John, he is the son of God. In Acts, he is the ascended Lord. In Romans, he is the justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he is our righteousness. In 2 Corinthians, he is our comforter. In Galatians, he is the redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, he is the head of the church. In Philippians, he is the all-sufficient Christ. In Colossians, he is the fullness of God. In 1 Thessalonians, he is the Lord coming down from heaven. In 2 Thessalonians, he is the judge coming with blazing fire. In 1 Timothy, he is our mediator. In 2 Timothy, he is our master. In Philemon, in Titus, he is the blessed hope. In Philemon, he is the one who paid our debt. In Hebrews, he is the great high priest. In James, he is the judge standing at the door. In 1 Peter, he is the chief shepherd. In 2 Peter, he is the morning star. In 1 John, he is the word of life. In 2 John, he is the son of the father. In 3 John, he is the truth. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with countless thousands of saints and in Revelation, he is the returning King of kings and Lord of lords. Now listen to me. If you read the Bible and you miss Jesus, you've missed everything. Because the Bible is all about Jesus. He is the king. Of his kingdom there will be no end. He shall reign forever and ever, king of kings and lord of lords. Hallelujah! What a savior. Now, that's the Bible. 
That's what the Bible's all about. About our sin and God's redeeming love through Jesus. And if you go through life and you have a lot of stuff and you don't have Jesus, you've missed everything. And this morning, I'm going to invite you to come to Jesus. The one who left heaven came to earth to die for you. For your sins. To give you what you don't deserve, what you'll never earn. That is the free gift of salvation in his life. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And, and Scotty and Mike and I will be here at the front, and our greatest joy would be to open up the book, the Bible, and show you how you can come to know Jesus. And church, Jesus is king. That means he's to be the king of our lives. He is to be the king of his church. It's not about you and me. It's not about our preferences. not about our wants. It's about Jesus as king. He is the king who heals hurts, who pulls that which is broken back to gather his whole. He is the king who uses people like you and me to make a difference in this world. And what I want you to do is bow your knee with Jesus as king. You've been disobedient to him. You've been disobedient to him, men, by not loving your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You need to come and bow the knee to Jesus as king. If you've gotten in a huff because things don't go your way, you need to get on your knees and say, Jesus is king. If you say, oh, I just don't have the relationship with him I used to have, you need to bow the knee and say, Jesus is king, because he hadn't changed.